Welcome to the Carecast. Welcome everyone to another Carecast. We're talking uh, today with Lois. Uh, Lois, welcome to the Carecast. Great to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, you work for an organization called ADF International. Just for our, our listeners, our viewers who might not know who ADF International are, uh, tell us a little bit about ADF. Sure. So ADF International are a human rights organization and we defend the fundamental freedoms and the human dignity of all people. That's what we do. Fantastic. And where are you based? Are you based in, in Britain? Are you based elsewhere? I Well, I'm Scottish originally, if you can't tell, um, but I live in Geneva now in Switzerland. So um, with ADF International, we work in different areas of uh, political significance and governance. So I work here at the UN Human Rights Council uh, for most of my time. Uh, what does the UN Human Rights Council do? What's its kind of purpose? So they are the body that deals within the UN specifically on uh, giving kind of guidance on human rights. Um, so uh, three times a year, all the countries who are wanting to be a part of the council come together and they um, put together resolutions about different topics and themes related to human rights. So uh, my colleagues and I, we work with the diplomats to um, give guidance and, and some legal expertise uh, on the issues that are at stake. Fantastic. All right. I want to, I want to, in this carecast, we're going to be talking uh, about hate crimes, hate speech, freedom of speech, freedom of expression, these kind of big concepts. I wondered if, if you could just sort of talk a little bit about when we talk about hate crimes and hate speech, what do we mean? What are we actually talking about? Well, you know, James, that's a, a really great question because uh, I'm not sure that any of us are sure uh, what we're talking about. <laughs> Um, so the, the wording in, in this bill um, that is before the Scottish Parliament, which is um, on hate crime and the stirring up of hate specifically, it isn't clear from that what would be included um, or expected to be punished. Um, so we can obviously identify what would be threatening language or threatening behaviour as something that would be wrong. But there's a grey area in society of, of things that some people would consider uh, to be hate and some people would consider to just be uh, an exchange of views. Um, so that's really the vagueness and uncertainty that um, hate crime laws tend to leave. Why do you think uh, different countries around the world are trying to pass hate crime laws? Like what's the thinking behind passing them? Well nobody likes hate and nobody likes to be hated and, and of course we all understand that we can all relate to that um, but the question is how do we deal with that in society? Is it really by policing speech and policing ideas? Now, what I think is that um, the answer to bad speech is actually more speech um, and debate and being able to bring these ideas out and, and count them, argue them, and see how they fit in with other ideas and morals of society, rather than taking a law that would police our speech and silence them. And do you, do you think that uh, if you look at Europe, for example, um, includes obviously the United Kingdom. Uh, do you think that the direction of travel for most countries is more hate speech laws, more hate crime laws, or, or are some countries pushing back? Well, it does seem to be the direction right now in Europe that we'd be following some other parts of the world in, in giving more restriction on speech um, and opinion and belief in these kinds of things. You can see um, in Malta, there's a very similar uh, bill being discussed right now. Um, other countries such as, as Finland have already passed uh, hate speech legislation, which has led to uh, criminal investigations into the tweets of grandmothers uh, even. Um, so we do see um, across Europe, there is a real chill on debate and on free speech. Um, but I think um, possibly in the culture, as we see 
uh, kind of cancel culture becoming more and more oppressive, I think there is an awakening to think now, do we really want to silence anybody who is against the kind of majority norm? Or do we want to have conversations about things that are relevant to us today? Do you think that, I mean, I'm just, I'm guessing that given what you've just said, that for Christians, this is possibly uh, especially alarming. I guess some people would say, well, that's just classic Christians, you know, always finding a, a new grievance to have. But it's not hard, right, to see how these kind of laws could be used to silence Christians who hold views and positions on things that are definitely outside outside the norm. Would you say that's right? Yeah, definitely. Um, now, there is, um, in, in this bill in Scotland, that is the kind of one that we're looking at just now, there are um, some protections for freedom of religion, but they have been significantly watered down uh, since previous instances of legislation. So there is... Um, more concerned about whether uh, people who hold Christian values would be able to share them. Um, when I talked about Finland um, earlier, um, the example from that, which is um, an ADF international case actually, uh, was that a, a grandmother and a former politician, a former minister of the interior had tweeted um, her church leadership uh, and asked um, why they had chosen to sponsor the LGBT pride parade um, in her city. Um, and she's under police investigation for, for simply raising that religious question that was posed to her church leadership. Uh, so we do see that obviously those um, uh, groups will, will, will face challenging. Um, on the other hand, it's not just Christians who, who will have problems under this bill. We can look to, to people who are facing kind of cultural censorship right now. J.K. Rowling uh, is one recent example um, who put forward, and J.K. Rowling, as far as I know, has never claimed to be a Christian or to hold Christian beliefs. Uh, but she put uh, forward a, a respectful view on biological sex. And she has been kind of come after by the Twitter mob, by various other celebrities who have um, directly told her that she's being abusive and that she needs to be silent. Um, so if we look at that context as well, it's really not just a religious issue. It's one for society as a whole. Kind of, uh, it's kind of staggering, isn't it? That for simply saying that you believe sex is biological and that there are two sexes and that's, that's it. Um, that you could be set upon with such vehemence. Like, I mean, where has that, where has that anger come from? Do you think? Where has that hyper aggression come from? I think it is kind of as built up as part of this cancel culture that we are we're seeing. We have this um, idea that that um, it's kind of mainstream ideology, and if anyone's outside of this this bubble that's maybe focused on in the media. Uh, and by certain celebrities, perhaps, um, that anything else is, is directly wrong. But, um, of course, if we look at the evolution of society over years, new ideas always challenged old ideas, and that's how we cope as a democracy. Um, so free speech and debate should, should never be silenced in a healthy democracy if we want to evolve and grow. And you've said already that you think that the answer to, to hate speech is more speech, or the answer to hate is, is more speech. And um, do, do you agree that that a better way of dealing with ideas that you don't like is to simply expose them. And surely if you, if you don't like them, then point out why you don't like them rather than trying to just silence them altogether. I mean, it seems obvious, doesn't it? But yet we, we then see this movement across Europe. And uh, let's, let's, bring this, let's bring this home to Scotland, as it were. You and I are both from Scotland. Which part of Scotland are you from? Uh, near Glasgow. Near Glasgow. Ah, okay. 
well, never mind. I'm from Edinburgh, um, <laughs> so you know Goody. how these things go. Uh, good luck to you both. <laughs> but um, in, in this context, so Scotland, uh, you've got a devolved government, uh, SNP, and on the 23rd of April, the Justice Secretary introduced a brand new piece of legislation, uh, the Hate, uh, Crime and Public Order Scotland yeah. Bill. Now, just give us an overview of what is the Scottish government trying to accomplish with this piece of legislation? Well, the, the bill sets out to do a few things. One thing is to repeal a very old blasphemy law uh, that we have traditionally in Scotland, which hasn't been used for hundreds of years. Um, and in its place, it attempts to firstly bring together various pieces of legislation which already exist. So you already can't um, incite violence and aggression uh, towards people based on prejudice. So the bill reaffirms a lot of that legislation and it also goes further and it, um, it introduces the stirring up of hate um, as a crime. Uh, so that's something that currently only exists in the context of racism, but the bill expands that to uh, various people or various characteristics. Uh, and why that's worrying is because stirring up of hate is very vague. We don't know what that means. Uh, so we don't know um, if one might interpret us to be stirring up hate when actually we're just trying to have a respectful conversation. Um, the other problem with the bill that's very concerning is that you don't actually have to uh, have the intention of doing so. Um, so it can be a complete accident and that won't help your case whatsoever. Um, if someone else uh, interprets that you have stirred up hate, even if you didn't think you were, then, then you're liable. Um, and the bill comes with a very heavy penalty. So you can actually be um, imprisoned for up to seven years. Um, for being guilty of unintentionally stirring up hate, whatever that means. Um, so there's various reasons why the bill is very concerning, but mainly because it's vague and it puts council culture into law and it will create a culture of fear and uncertainty. We're not sure what we can say to our friends, what we can joke about, what we can question or, or discuss. Um, so it will have a really chilling effect on a democratic society like Scotland. And I think you, um, you've written about this uh, in a number of places. You wrote for the Times in Scotland, also for the Herald as well, looking in particular, picking up J.K. Rowling again. And you argued that, that under, under the new law in Scotland, uh, J.K. Rowling, for what she said about transgender and about there being two biological sexes, that she could be criminalised potentially if the... I mean, who would decide that? Who would decide if she was to be prosecuted? Would it be the police or...? Well, eventually it would be up to the judge uh, if she was to go before a court and, and who's to tell if the judge would decide and decide that she hadn't been hateful or if he would decide like with Daniel Radcliffe and Jamila Jamil who have all said that she was um, being hateful and abusive. Um, so we don't know. I definitely think that someone who said, made comments like J.K. Rowling did would certainly um, be vulnerable under a law like this and would have to uh, defend themselves uh, before a court uh, or face up to seven years in prison. Um, and, you know, a lot of people have a lot of questions about um, the things that J.K. Rowling was discussing, and those questions could be uh, a valid part of a democratic debate. Um, so it really is uh, a shame for our society, uh, as well as, as a real source of fear uh, for those who have questions about mainstream ideology, perhaps. And as, as we've said already, I guess a lot of Christians would fall into that because, you know, particularly if you're an Orthodox, if you come down on the kind of evangelical side of Christianity, you're going to have massive questions about a lot of 
modern ideologies, modern narratives. And so if you're a Christian pastor or even just like an evangelist, or you could just be a church worker, you could just be an ordinary Christian, you're going to be worried about this, right? So for Christians in Scotland, how concerned should they be uh, by the law as it currently is drafted? Well, I think it would be something that all Christians and also remember people of other faith groups who would also be um, potentially concerned about this um, who exist in Scotland. It should be something that they should write to their MP about because MPs have to know um, that people in their constituencies have real concerns. MPs also, I might add, might themselves fear one day that they might tweet something that could be misinterpreted as, hey, or might offend someone accidentally. Uh, so it's something that, yes, Christians, other faith groups, anyone who <laughs> who might hold a Twitter account and might say something controversial one day uh, should be concerned and should be writing to their MP and should be active um, on making sure that uh, this bill um, is heavily edited or, or not um, not passed through Parliament. That was going to be my, my next question. So here we have uh, the, the Hate Crime Public Order Scotland Bill. It's been introduced uh, moves to stage one, and the Justice Committee has issued this call for evidence, closes on the 24th of July. Um, is that open for anyone to respond? So could, for example, uh, someone listening to this who lives in Scotland is concerned by this, uh, can they express their concerns to the Justice Committee? Is that possible? Absolutely. And why not take advantage of free speech while we still have it? <laughs> it's almost, I would say, a civic duty to to bring forward this evidence, bring forward these concerns and submit um, to MPs so that our parliament knows um, how to represent our people best. And that things like this, this bill don't just slide through under the radar. Um, so I would definitely encourage um, everybody to look further into it. Um, there's resources I can point to on hate speech in different countries, censored by Paul Coleman. Um, it's a particularly great book uh, that goes through a lot of the problems with these legislations that we're seeing across Europe. So look into it, email your MP, and yeah, participate in these calls for evidence, these calls for action, uh, and make sure your voice is heard while it still can be. I'm gonna give people one other thing that you can do as well. So I think if you are listening, watching to this, it's very interesting. One, one of the first things that flagged this to me was, um, shows you how on the ball I am, was after it had been introduced, uh, the, I can't remember what his position is, but an MSP called Murdo Fraser, who is a member of the Scottish Conservative group in the Scottish Parliament, wrote for the Scotsman and said, you know, this bill needs to be really carefully scrutinised by members of the Scottish Parliament, because if it's not, if it's just passed through, like, really quickly, it's going to be disastrous. And it was then that I spotted this thing about stirring up hatred, which you've articulated for us, like, that's what is that? How do you define that? Can anyone define that? Surely that is mission impossible. So as you, as, as this piece of legislation carries on its, its journey through the Scottish Parliament, what do you think are the likelihood, what's the likelihood of it being changed so that the worst parts of it are uh, mitigated? Do, do you think that's realistic? I mean... That's the role of our parliament is to scrutinize legislation. So we have to put all of our efforts into supporting them to scrutinizing it to the nth degree. Um, so the call to action and the call to evidence are things that do exist for that reason um, and to include social participation in that process. 
And I think the more noise that is made about it, the more people who speak up and raise concerns, then the more likelihood it is to be scrutinized and for these problems to come to the surface, to come to light and um, to find a way forward that doesn't um, threaten free speech in Scotland. So I think, um, yeah, don't be discouraged and please go and, and, and take action while we can uh, and, and write your MPs and, and do all these things. Fantastic. That's great. Um, I wonder if as we as we come to bring this discussion to a close. So um, here's a here's a Christian concerned about what's going on in Scotland, uh, takes action um, and wants to keep up to date with the progress of this piece of legislation. Just what, what are some of the ways that uh, someone listening to this, someone watching this could keep up to date with what happens next? Because a, a bill in, in Parliament takes a long time before it becomes law, lots of stages and so on. What's the best way they can keep up to date? Well, there's groups you can follow uh, who are actively engaged uh, in this process. So I believe CARE would be one of those and um, ADF International, who I'm working with, um, will be uh, making sure that everybody stays up to date on, on the progress of that bill. Um, communicating with uh, different you know, your local media to see if they're following the progress, communicating through your MP to find out from them what's happening. There's there's many sources that you can and should use uh, that will also generate a lot of, um, that will show people that you're interested and that people in your constituency are interested. So I definitely encourage that. Um, and like I said, going into the resources, looking into censored, looking into um, different countries across Europe who are having similar experiences and seeing how it ends up there is another critical way that you can stay on top of what might happen with this. It's fantastic. And just very quickly, lastly, censored is by Paul Coleman, you mentioned. He's the executive director of ADF International. Can people get censored from the ADF International website? Is it on Amazon? It's on Amazon. It's on the ADF International website. Um, so it's easily accessible there, adfinternational.org. Um, and you can find the book there. So, and you can also find a lot of uh, cases that have... Um, we've been involved in across Europe, so you can keep track of those as well. That is fantastic. Lois, thank you so much for your time today, and thank you too for speaking out. Uh, Lois has written two pieces, one for the Herald, one for the Times in Scotland. Well worth reading both of those pieces if you want to get an overview of some of the concerns uh, that exist about the uh, this new legislation in Scotland. Uh, but Lois, really appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on the CareCast. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. You've been listening to the CareCast. Remember to subscribe to get the latest episodes and find out more about the work of care on care.org.uk. Care for what you believe.